You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Hi, I'm Bonnie Blaylock. Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. And I'm Renee Sproles. Today's episode is another feature on preparedness. We talk intentionality and preparedness a lot when it comes to kids, most notably in our recent episodes on the book of important things and water safety. But today we're going to talk about the realm of safety and security kind of in general. Yeah, I'm excited about this conversation. Our guest is David Sproles, also my husband. (laughs) Welcome, honey. Hello there. And David is a certified firearms instructor, and he's participated in multiple training programs on emergency preparedness and self-defense. And also, you're an Eagle Scout, so you got lots of preparedness uh, what do you like, props. What do you call that? You're cred. asking the wrong person. Cred. You got, yeah, you yeah. got lots of preparedness cred. So tell us a little bit about how you got into this. Because you're actually a financial advisor by day. Yes. Uh, <laughs> refer to How Do You Teach Your Kids About, about Money, money. <laughs> podcast. That's right. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, I was have been a long time avid, just hobby shooter. And then I love to teach. And about six or seven years ago, I'm not a smart guy, but I got tired of people asking me, hey, where can I go get my state certified carry permit? I'm like, there may be an opportunity here. And so my love of teaching, love of shooting kind of merged into this side gig that I do that has become bigger and bigger over the last two or three years, especially, and um, have just combined them. And it's kind of a self-funding hobby. So I teach people and they pay me and I go buy more bullets. So it's kind of a neat thing. Okay. But it's not just target shooting. You actually participated in like week-long drills and things with what emergency preparedness kind of instructors right yeah my i'm not a what i would call a a target shooter meaning i'm not going to shoot a quarter at 50 yards what i have focused on my own training and training others is really around what we would call self-defense okay and morphing into the defense of others primarily and that is uh, a very different style of shooting than just sitting at the range and trying to hit a bullseye okay and other training as well so it was not just training with firearms, you got trained in like EMT kind of things as well. Yeah. So we received a certification called the tactical combat uh, care course. um, And that is really uh, intended only to be taught to our military. And so it's trauma medicine. uh, Mm -hmm. And then I have first aid and CPR in my background have been for a long time. A lot of that started in scouting, but then as it's gotten more advanced for me, it's not just shooting uh, stuff. It's also how do you take care of people in general? Right, your lifeguard. Right, so lifeguard. Water, yep. water, everything mm. is involved. Yeah. So I just want to say from the get go that this episode is not meant to be a scary, pile on the worry, anxiety sort of conversation. It's just a preventive uh, mindset. So it's just a good idea to know a few things, to not be naive, and to teach your kids how to know a few things and not be naive and what to do. If something bad happens. Right, right. So like with everything, I think it's wise for us to to back up and start with worldview on this. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, we want to teach our children common sense, situational awareness, like you said, Bonnie, caution. It's our job to keep them safe as best we can, knowing at the same time they can't live in a bubble. They really even shouldn't live in a bubble. And we don't want them to. There's this great book 
that's out right now called Bomb Shelter by Nashville author Mary Laura Philpot. It's a memoir about this very thing. Her son got sick and, and started having seizures and she kind of, it's just about this mindset. You want desperately to protect the people um, that you love, but ultimately <laughs> you do what you can, but ultimately it's kind of out of your control. So your security is going to have to rest somewhere else. And for us, it's with our Heavenly Father. Right, right. And yet, we certainly don't want our kids, as we prepare them, to approach life, um, maybe like the author you just mentioned was approaching it, like in a fearful and anxious way. We want to look for the good in other people, know that people can be helpful and kind. And we did do an episode on the fearful child recently. Look that one up Mm -hmm. if you're interested. I think it was just this spring. Um, And certain kids and adults due to their temperament or their life experiences are prone to fearfulness. And one way to help with that is to feel confident and feel prepared. Right. Talk about maybe worst case scenarios and like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Probably isn't going to, but here's some stuff you can do to help. So I think the biggest kind of overarching umbrella to all of this is something that you would call situational awareness. Now I know David, you're not a law enforcement right. officer, but I've been to a couple self-defense classes, free ones at the local police department. And that's the first thing they talk about. So what can you define that? What is that? Yeah. And to something else that Renee said, I think often the fear for people in any conversation, I had a conversation with, with a prospective client yesterday on the money side of things. She was scared to death to have the conversation. And I asked her why. And she said, cause I don't understand it. So I think education often and and just that will build confidence and the confidence will drive out a lot of the fear you can still be aware which we're going to talk about but the fear often comes from just lack of knowledge and so to to build on that situational awareness in my mind uh jeff cooper who's a retired military uh, marine corps are you ever retired from the marines he's eh. you're always a marine <laughs> right. don't get mad at That's us right. all you right. wives of marines right. or Sorry wives you are marines right. <laughs> he is no longer active duty marine corps uh is a huge pistol instructor and self-defense instructor but he coined the the terminology around the different color codes of situational awareness going from white to yellow to orange to red and that concept of if you're in the white zone, you're probably either asleep or daydreaming or taking a nap or just binge watching Netflix or something on your phone, on your phone. Right. Uh, yellow is this, you're always aware and you're always watching. You're not looking for stuff, but, but you kind of have this awareness of things going on around you all the time. Orange is when, okay, something is off. Something's going on here that I'm not comfortable with that is out of the ordinary and I need to kind of heighten all of my senses and, and watch what's going on. And then red would be there's an active threat going on and I'm having to respond one way or the other. I think as a society, especially in the, in the United States, we tend to live in the white mm-hmm. where I think we should probably be constantly living outside of your home, always living in the yellow. Not fearful, right? But, but just aware. We, we bury our faces in our phones. We go to the gas pump, we get out, and we can't wait the three minutes to not be on our phone while we're filling our gas tank up so and spend $100. But we you know, we get on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and that is those types of what are called transitional spaces in, in the world are some of the most dangerous because people know, bad people know, that's when people are not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah, those are the same color codes that are on the NSA since 9-11, since we've used... That's exactly right. And a lot of that comes from Jeff Cooper's work. Interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, so you 
let's say it again, you cannot be aware if you're on your phone. Right. You cannot be aware if you're on your phone. <laughs> That's just if you're sitting in a parking lot, mm-hmm. you know, waiting before you go in to get your groceries, checking your list. I do that all the time. Um, go on a college campus. Look, no one walks with their head up. Yeah. Everyone walks with their head down because they're looking at a screen. Uh-huh. So anything can happen. I mean, somebody could run into you. You get hit with a Frisbee, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> in the quad. Right. Yeah. Some of it very benign, right? Exactly. Right. No big deal getting hit with the Frisbee, but there are other things that all of a sudden, boom, your, your backpack's gone or your purse is gone, or you turned around to look at something else and weren't paying attention. And, you know, bad things can happen when you're not watching. Yeah. I think as a woman, I think of parking lots a lot uh-huh. of, of just needing to pay attention when I'm walking to my car. And how sometimes I'm not. I'm reaching down to, to grab my phone to answer that text before I start driving. Yeah, get your keys out. Get whatever. my keys out and all that. And so, anyway, we're gonna, I'm glad we're going to be talking about yeah. about this. That was a big thing in the course that I took that you just, you walk confidently, point A to point B, looking around the whole time, like with a don't mess with me vibe going on. <laughs> and there, I mean, there's something, there's called something called the three second stare, which we won't get into, but there's also something that... Wait, wait, let's get into it. What's the three second stare? Okay. I got to know. Hang on. I, but... Before you get to that, looking people in the eye mm-hmm. disarms them, right? If, if Because you're looking at them. How often do you look at somebody in the eye when you're not confident? You don't. Stranger, uh-huh. Right, but if you look at someone in the eye, it's kind of like, I see you, and now you see me seeing you. Mm-hmm. And that often removes that if they had any bad intentions, you're like, oh, that person saw me. And it, they're looking for the easier target. Right. 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 So the three-second stare. So the three-second stare is... That's not the stink eye from mom. No. I was just thinking of all, it's, of all the it's times that you kind of, your kids. It's kind of similar. Look it's kind me. of similar. Look at me. <laughs> the three-second stare, and it's actually very hard to do, is looking somebody straight in the eye and losing all... Going from whatever expression you have to losing all expression in your face. And it's terrifying. Because when you lose all expression, when you go from just a standard face to no expression at all, it's telling someone that something's clicked in your mind and they should be afraid of you. So it is the mom's yeah. stink eye. <laughs> right. It pretty much is the mom's stink eye. I can do that. Right. So mom's piece that. of cake. But the three second stare is looking somebody straight in the eye and losing all expression in your face and it will terrify them. So it's an, it's an intentional thing. Or, or can it be, I guess, maybe an automatic thing if you are really thinking right. like on the fly like that? Would you automatically go flat in your affect? Uh, possibly. But you're but talking about doing it intentionally, intentionally to, okay. to, to disarm, disarm somebody somebody's right, right. mental place. Can I do? Can I do that with you? No. <laughs> Rats. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about um, fire safety, because okay, I guess all schools are required to have fire drills, aren't they, Bonnie? Yeah, they are. We didn't have them here in Sproul's Academy, so talk to us. But about you had them that. as a kid, right? When I you mean, went to yeah, school. Yeah, I guess we did. I, in college, I remember having them. Uh huh. We had them, yeah, we had them as a kid, and our kids had them all through elementary and high school um, fire safety programs. You know, when you start little, don't play with matches, right. all those mm-hmm. kind of things. And Renee skipped that class. Stop. <laughs> I do love fire. That's a, that's a, sounds like a you problem. It is, it is. Okay, <laughs> then you have that stop, drop, and roll drill, which honestly, I thought I would have used a lot more by now as an adult, but I, I really I've felt never like once. That was very important. Yes. It seemed to be drilled into us, but I never that have calculus. Used it. I thought I would use, would have used a lot more. <laughs> exactly. So, but I know, like you said, not, not every student and more and more students are not going to traditional schools where they have fire drills like that. So it's not necessarily a given for every kid. So yeah, everybody learns it in school or if you don't, then what are you doing at home? I mean, we had, we went over with our kids, um, when we had two story house, like what you would do in a fire, um, we found the window. We would suggest they go out if there was a fire on the stairway 
and there was um, a roof, kind of a flattish roof where we're like, you get to there, we'll meet you on the ground. You can jump down to us or um, there's those unrolling ladders. ladders that you can get to hook over your windowsill and that okay. kind of thing. Um, we, we talked to him about what's the one thing you would take? Because like in that moment, you're thinking, oh, I have to grab my stuff. So we went ahead and talked through what's the one thing you would want to take with you? What's your very most important possession? That's interesting. Um, to think about it ahead of time. I guess that was all we did. Yeah. And then <clears throat> kind of a, where do we meet if this is going on? Right. Yeah. You that's know, right. Are you going to the backyard? Are you going to the front yard? Are you going to this neighbor's or that neighbor's in the event of a fire in your home? Um, just so. so what, what ages are you talking? What um, age kid would you talk? Our kids were like were eight probably, and five. I was going to say five and up is oh, a yeah. conversation to have because below that, below that age, I don't think it's clear to i mean it would not be right to expect your kid to open up a window and crawl out at right. four years so old, before right? that we'll, we'll come and get yeah, you we'll come get you okay and i think there's some basic stuff to you know as they get older and you think there's a fire you know teaching kids how to feel the door handle and look underneath to see if they see smoke coming in the room to know okay probably don't need to go out into the hallway i mean mm-hmm. just basic stuff that pro- they probably have learned some in school basic fire safety and fire awareness is is not difficult and but it's it's pretty easy to, to teach your kids you know i bet but I bet you most families do not. No. And I would agree. or would not have think to do a fire drill. Right. Because you're thinking, I want my home to be a safe space. I don't want my kids necessarily to be thinking this could happen. Right. Um, but you do want to, well, okay, what if? Probably not going to happen. Right. Like, make it a game. But then it's in there. Then that little seed is planted. That's right. I would agree. And there's a bunch of those things where the, you borderline on being prepared and scaring your kids right mm-hmm. and, and you've got to know your child's temperament and how you can coach that and every kid's going to be a little different but because we don't want to make our kids fearful doesn't give us in my opinion doesn't give us the ability to say well we're not going to talk about it yeah right because that's that's the unfortunately the mentality of a lot of people around just like what i teach with self-defense they don't they don't want to think that could ever happen well guess what? If it does, you really probably wish you would have thought that it could happen Mm -hmm. and trained for it. So just thinking through it. And again, the education gives people confidence and the confidence I think fights away a lot of the fear. Mm -hmm. And there is a transition that in my opinion, going from uneducated to confident, you're going to have to be a little afraid for a little bit. Yeah. There's a healthy fear. That's right. And when I take, (laughs) when I take students for the first time out to shoot, the ones who show up and never shot before and aren't afraid are the ones that I'm most nervous to be around (laughs) because they don't have this healthy respect and fear for what we're about to do. Uh My job is to move them through that. And I think it's the same with teaching kids about fire safety or tornado safety or stranger danger, any of those things. It's our job as parents to take them from uneducated to confident and that pathway carries them through fear. But But you're with them. But we're doing it with them. Yeah, that's a key thing. You're with them, helping them through it. Um, I think it's worth mentioning, too, since my husband's a veterinarian, that the week that this airs, uh, I believe July 15th, is going to be National Pet Fire Safety Day. So don't forget about... National Pet Fire Safety. So about 1,000 fires a year are caused by pets, like a cat knocks over a candle. Or like in your case, Bonnie. Yes, the The cat's tail goes in the fireplace, (laughs) and they run through the house. (laughs) Streaming flames. Yes, that that's not the ideal situation. I still that see that night, scenario in slow motion. I, I remember. I have about ten memories from my life, Bonnie. <laughs> that's one of them. That's at the top You're of welcome. the list. Your orange cat laying its big, huge tail into Whew. slow in slow motion into the fireplace. <laughs> it wasn't slow motion after it hit. The no, fire. it was not. No, no it was it not was through the house. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, a sign when you're doing these drills. 
not stay behind until you find the pet, but somebody look out for the dog. Somebody look out for the cat. If you find him, great. If not, you're more important. That's right. Yeah. Um, you can get stickers from like Chewy.com or something to put on your window. Yep. Save our pets. Oh, yeah. Things like that for the firemen. We should so, do that. You should. Save uh, our Hazel. Hazel Maisie. <laughs> so there you go. Plug for pet safety. Okay, here's another one. Stranger danger. We get a lot of questions about this when we're teaching our class because um, we want our kids to be outgoing and engage other people and be friendly. But at the same time, there's this strangers are bad warning all the time. So how do you talk to your kids about strangers? Yeah. Did you feel this tension, Bonnie, when you were raising your kids? Yeah. I felt it big time because I'm like, look people in the eye, answer them when they speak to you, except if they're strangers and they're scary. Right. But what does that even mean? There's all these exceptions. <laughs> yes. Never, 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 never get in a car, but call the Uber to, yeah. to come home <laughs> right. from the airport, right? And hey, right. when we get to Uber, there's there's a real common thing even for adults that we need to talk about, about Uber safety. Yeah. So we're, when we get down to talking about cars or auto safety, there's yeah. something about yeah. Uber safety. So, so how do so, you do that? Yeah. How do we do it? We, okay. We role played. Even when our kids were really small, we would role play and say, pretend I'm the bad guy. I'm driving up in my car. It kind of makes it sound fun, but it, it shouldn't be fun. And hey, I've got a puppy in the car. You want to come put my puppy? And they're required to say, no, I'm not going to pet your puppy. I'm going to go find my mom. We need to link to that hilarious video oh, you I sent me, Oh, I definitely will. <laughs> There's an awesome <laughs> reel on Instagram that we will link to. Oh, where they're, they're role, like, the parent is acting like they're the kid. Yes. And they're, and they're like, oh. what if that? What if the stranger has candy? Yes, I love candy. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, you don't get no, it. No, no, I know. Oh, no. That is actually a very, very funny <laughs> That's right. Video. Uh, we talked about who can pick you up from school, and they have lists, and it's very common. I mean, that's the that's a huge uh, missing child or abduction you know, situation oh, yeah. is um, in situations of custody yep. uh, where a ex comes to pick up the kid from school and well the kid knows the ex but they're not supposed to go with them that kind of thing so you have these lists in a school situation of who's allowed to come and we've talked about that with our kiddos so other than that though what would you what would you tell your child i think a couple of things one um we we want to bridge the gap of being shy and rude to stranger danger right and so what we try to teach our kids was if someone says hello to you and you're with mom or dad you can say hello to them Right, because that they're safe with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. If someone says hello to you and you are by yourself and you don't know them, you're not obligated to speak to them. That's a great distinction. Right. With the, when they're with mom and dad, the chances of something bad happening are much lower because if they are a predator, they're not going to do something with mom or dad there. Mm-hmm. And we also want to teach them that you will meet people that you've never met before. There are strangers in the world, and some of them are very, very nice people. Uh, and so if you're with an adult it is appropriate to say hello to them. Now you don't have to go to their car with them, but you don't have to be rude. And so, you know, as you guys have talked about before, especially certain personality types, the the temperaments, your green personality, your green child is going to be a little less uh, outgoing and speaking or the shy child. Well, shy is not an excuse to be rude Mm -hmm. until they're a stranger and by yourself. And then it's perfectly appropriate. I think the other thing is in in the event, and I I don't think I know any parent who's had this happen, but the stories are there with somebody drives down the street and says, hey, little kid, want to come look at my puppy or I like candy? The response is not no, it's run away yelling, I don't know that person. I don't know that person as loud as you can because that will scare them to death and will get attention to look outside and see what's going on. So it's the next level of training them. And if you don't know that person, the person had perfectly good intentions or it was your neighbor and you didn't recognize, they'll understand. Mm-hmm. If they're really the bad guy, they're going to drive off and get away. Right. Because I think in our society, 
at least in American society. I don't really know about other cultures, but um, yeah, we kind of know now as an adult, like I'm not just going to go up to a little kid anymore because you do have that suspicion and that, you know, trepidation, I guess. I think as, as parents too, I think, you know, the data is staggering male versus female on predators. Right. right. And we've talked to our kids about that. If you're lost, if you get <clears> separated <throat> from me at the mall, you go find another mommy. You go find another mommy who's got a kid with her. That's uh-huh. right. And that's, that's great advice. It's great advice. Yeah. So, um, this probably varies by age too. Cause you've got, you know, you've got your five-year-old that you're doing the role playing with, and then you've got your 15 year old who's on the computer. <laughs> right. So it's yeah, a whole nother ball. Of wax. There's a whole nother world of danger in terms of the internet and strangers on video chats or video games or you know the the connected video games that you do um chat rooms so how do you talk to your kids about strangers there first of all it's like the worst of the kids come out during those types of situations generally (laughs) because they're they're unsupervised they're at home and they're very they're anonymous but then you do have the predators that will show up to those types of things and try to you know Hey, can we meet up and talk about this game or whatever? Mm-hmm. I just think really, really training your kids to, uh, one, avoid that if they can, right? And two, you've got to, as a parent, it's your responsibility to monitor what they're doing and monitor where they're going and who they're talking with. And um, Even on things I've talked to moms when I was tutoring, um, like platforms like Pinterest, for crying yeah. out loud, you can message people. Mm-hmm on there so you know as a parent I would be aware of like okay video game chat rooms you need to be coming behind them and checking and all that but there was a mom who um, whose daughter kind of got wrapped in to some like just bad conversations she didn't go meet anyone but it was messing with her mental health yeah I think it's just a different um, like it's obvious if you see somebody driving by in a shady van Right. But it's not obvious on the internet when you mm-hmm. say you're an 11 year old girl and you could be, you know, some 45 year old right. creepy, creepy guy. That's right. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's a measure of trust. So you're having to teach your children a different way to trust or distrust. You know, just be skeptical. Don't believe everything. Awareness. Again, it goes back to awareness mm-hmm. and, and being aware. Is this normal for somebody to be asking me to do these things? I think just run it through that filter is pretty helpful. Right. Okay. Okay. So let's move on to weather-related emergencies. Here in Tennessee, if you're a Tennessee listener, fill in the blank. We have <laughs> tornadoes. Right, right. We have yep. tornadoes. Uh, but if you live in other parts of the country, there can be heavy snow and ice. Out west, there's wildfires and earthquakes. And on the east coast, they have hurricane season. So in our area, the weather folks on the news are all about being alert during storms with a- apps and weather radios. I mean, Facebook, when there's a storm coming, it's filled with yeah. all of our friends <laughs> saying, okay, you know, where's your safe space? Yep. You, yeah, put your, put your helmets on your head, put your bucket on your head I in know. your closet. <laughs> I've got to tell the story. So there's friends of ours that moved here from way out west, never had a tornado experience. And the weather people are always like, yes, get in your safe space. Make sure your head is covered, blah, blah, blah. So they literally got five-gallon buckets from the garage and put them on their heads <laughs> and sat in the bathtub. Put bike helmets, I think, on their kids, which is better than it's a bucket. It's actually not a bad idea, but it was so funny because oh. I'm like, okay, if your house had blown away, you would have been found like that with your bucket on your head. So. <laughs> How embarrassing. Just think ahead before you do oh. stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, how, do we, how are we prepared for the weather? Yeah, I think part of it, again, goes back to being aware. I mean, you know, my kids and my family pick on me about being a storm watcher with the oh, weather. Oh, my but, goodness, this is 
so uh, true. I did grow up uh, in Kansas where tornadoes were pretty prominent and with a parent who was terrified of storms. So I was kind of forced to be the weather watcher. And it still carries on, but it's one of those things where. What do you do for us, honey? I have no idea what you're talking about. You have so. a, you actually have a tornado shelter. We do built yeah, into we, your yeah. home. When we built the house ten years ago, it was pretty inexpensive to just go ahead and put the tornado shelter in that Renee's never stepped foot in because she. Listen, it would have, have to, to go be underground across my backyard, barreling toward me for me to crawl <laughs> in that nasty, dark, spider-infested <laughs> hole in the ground. Okay, it's not nasty or dark. There's lights in there. Dank, dusty. <laughs> it's better than. Going up into the air in a tornado. Right. Well, but what you didn't say you do is you send our kids like heads up when the weather's coming. We could be in Florida, oh, and yeah. there's I think weather that is totally apparent coming through That's here. Right. And you're I'm like, not hey, the only kids, one. With, uh, did you know there's a hailstorm coming through? There's a chance of tornadoes, and so it's kind of a family joke. But it, it actually is a great way to be prepared. You're yeah. welcome, kids. Because <laughs> they're not watching the Weather Channel. I guarantee you, no twenty no year olds sitting around watching not. the Weather Channel. So. Uh, yeah, Jim so, Cantori, we love that's you. Right. <laughs> so I, you know, uh, to answer your question, I think awareness is is important, and I think having a plan. Again, you know, if, if the storms get if the storms get so bad that we need to do something different, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Um, not everybody has a storm shelter. I get that. Every but house we had, we had a place. We had a place. So in Indianapolis, we had a basement. Indiana had we, tornadoes, right? And, and so we had a spot there. In North and, Carolina, we, you have an interior closet. We didn't have a basement. Okay. You know? So every house we had, we had a place where we, the kids knew, and we took them. And we were in one of those places every time. Yep. Oh, every yeah. We, I can't tell you how many times we've been in our closet. And we have, now we, like we've upgraded it a little bit. It's... And we bring our animals in with us, so it's super cozy in there for the hour or whatever it is you mm-hmm. have to sit. Um, it's usually in the middle of the night, and everyone's right. tired. Yeah, tornadoes <laughs> never happen at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Nope, no. We, we got <laughs> to work on that. But now we have, uh, I've put whistles in there in yep. case, because I'm thinking, okay, like what if the house falls on you and you need to be found? So there's whistles in there. Uh, my aunt and uncle actually lost their home this past two years ago in a tornado that came through here. And um, the thing they wanted most was shoes. Yeah. Because they came out of all that and everything's, you know, in shambles around you and you're barefoot in the middle of the night. So they wanted shoes in their safe place, easy to put on and flashlights. Yep. So, yeah. What what are some practical things? Yeah, I think, I mean, depends on like the level that you want to get prepared for because I could go down that rabbit hole pretty heavy. But I think... Whistles are really smart. Um, you can get a, a wind, like a jack-in-the-box, and it gives it power so you can get the weather reports okay. if you need to. That's your TV or whatever Everything is out, is out right? Mm-hmm. Um, flashlights, shoes. I think keeping, you know, three, four, five bottles of water in there just in case you are stuck for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, in our storm shelter, because if the house did fall in, it's going to be there. You can register your storm shelter with the county. And it tells them where on the house is the storm shelter. So it, let's say a tornado, God forbid, comes through and takes out half our neighborhood and our house is sitting flat. Mm-hmm. The county knows when they start responding that they don't see anybody inside, but there's a storm shelter on the back porch underneath the porch where it's located. So they know that's where we could they could search. Um, but water, flashlights, um, shoes, I think all the whistles, I think is a great idea. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. I, can, I, know I, I learned that from the Titanic. You did? Because that's whistle? how they, yeah, the whistle. That's how they found him on the Titanic when she was floating, freezing in the water. Remember? She Do I remember? That's one of the 10 memories I have <laughs> of my life is six week old Emma in my arms. I'm in the movie theater watching Titanic. Do not do that with postpartum hormones. It was terrifying watching was. these people slowly drown in the icy it cold was. waters. But my takeaway was oh, 
Whistles are good. My takeaway was everything's dangerous. <laughs> Life is scary and sad. I'm bawling my and eyes out. That's the difference between you and me. I'm just such a hopeful optimist. <laughs> you really are, Bonnie. That's why we're friends. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Tell me about car safety. So, okay. What you just said was probably a good idea to just have in your car in general, too. Just a little like a go bag yep. for you have an accident or you're stuck you know, you get in a big ice storm or a big traffic accident, especially yeah. with a baby or a small child, and you're stuck sometimes sitting on the interstate. I think a lot of people, uh, what happened last year uh, in the winter, I guess it was actually February uh, in the Northeast where that, it was Virginia, where just this huge snowstorm came in. There's a huge pile up on the interstate, like 50 cars were wrecked, and people were stuck there for like 12 hours. Yeah. And so on a road trip, I think a lot of people think, or they may have snacks or water or those types of things. There's a, a real, I mean, it doesn't have to be complicated. I have a pretty, you know, as you would expect, thorough bag that I keep in my car all the time. But, you know, simple things like an extra blanket, mm-hmm. a couple of protein bars, a couple of bottles of water for everybody. Um, you can buy something called a, um, they're called, are they 12-hour candles or 72-hour candles? Oh, yeah. One candle in a car, even in winter, will keep the car warm for hours. So if, you know, you now run out of gas and you're still cold and it's winter and you're stuck on the interstate in Virginia for 12 hours and you're getting cold, light one candle, give it time, it'll warm the car up. So real simple things like that That's a great th- that are yeah. uh, able to be thought through uh, and depends on how prepared you want to be. I mean, you can keep adding stuff to that bag. Uh, I mean, you got to think about the ages of your children. You, yep. You've got you to have diapers. diapers. Right. You've got to have some of that. Um, do you need formula if you've got an infant? Right. right. Uh, do you have enough... If you're Little, nursing, um, right, do you have enough to, to keep mom fed and hydrated so she can nurse the baby, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff? I was just thinking the little potties that moms oh, yeah, and portable potties would put for in. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ours I mean, was back a, in the 70s, it was a bottle. It was a coffee can. <laughs> yeah, coffee car. can, Coke bottle, girls were out of luck. That's you right. Know. You got to do what you got to do. Um, okay, so like, what about driving? I know we talk about our teenagers, if you've got older kids. We talk to them about safety all the time in the car. Number one, like don't text and drive. Right. Make sure you have a, at least a quarter of gas in your tank so you're not stuck somewhere on the road. So what do we need to tell our young drivers besides, you know, wear your seatbelt and those basic things? What are drivers doing around you? Um, obviously staying off your phones, which is probably anybody listening to this podcast, they said they've never driven and texted before is lying, right? <laughs> everybody, everybody does it. Uh, but, you know, if you're a stoplight, are you checking your phone to reply to the text mm-hmm. or are you watching what's going on around you? Uh, I think in middle Tennessee, we don't have a whole lot of issues in Murfreesboro for carjackings, but you get to a stoplight. And if you're the first one in the stoplight, the first cars at the stoplight are always the one they're going to get carjacked. Cause they can zip away. Right. They can get away. So if you're the fifth car back, it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. But if you're first one at a car light uh, at a stoplight, you're, your awareness should be even higher because if a carjacking is going to happen, it's going to be right there, especially if, I mean, that's just the way it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, what about if you have car trouble? Um, there was a um, terrible, tragic death on the interstate yeah. about, I don't know, six, six or eight seven years, years, ago, yeah. years ago. They had a flat tire. They pulled off to the side and the teenager was changing the tire. Mm-hmm. The Boy Scout doing his good turn. That's right. And he got hit. And killed. So, what, how do you pull off the road? Is there a is there a better way than others to pull off the road? Yeah, a couple a things. Trouble? First of all, spend spend seventy five bucks a year for AAA. 
Yeah. 100%. Oh, yeah. That's the best money we've spent. I don't, if I have a flat tire, I can, I'm perfectly capable of changing a flat tire. I'm not changing my flat tire. Mm. I'm letting somebody else do it. Not that I want to divert the risk to them, but they know how to do it. They've got the flashers, they've got the vest, they've got the big truck. Uh, it's at two, you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon or nine o'clock at night and I'm driving home. I'm not changing that flat tire. That's and I've great. got memberships for all of our kids. Yep, we do too. They keep the card in their, in their car. And you get discounts at hotels you and do. travel. You get discounts, and Disney World yeah. and battery like dies, that. you run out of gas, yep. call AAA. It's the best 75 bucks a person you're going to spend. Uh, a couple things. If your car dies, um, get away from the car. Right. What's it's very interesting if you watch any videos of, of car wrecks or police officers, why they get hit so often is people get this they get distracted and all of a sudden they see something different on the road and there's something in their mind where they turn towards it. Mm-hmm. And they talk about it a lot in police officers why they the way they angle their cars and why they pull people uh, to one side of the car or the other. If there's a guardrail, get on the other side of the guardrail. I mean, to that level, because if somebody all of a sudden gets startled, they didn't see that car and it freaks them out, which I think is what happens. They may lose control, hit somebody next to them. All of a sudden, you're, they're barreling towards your car. You don't want to be in the car. You don't want to be in front of the car. You want to be on the other side of the guardrail mm-hmm. and those types of things. Even if you're waiting for emergency response to come and, you know, take, you know, AAA or whatever. So get as far away from the car as you can uh, is one thing if you're having car trouble. Two, yeah, uh, call AAA. Uh, call AAA even if you're not a member. Uh, and see, can I sign up for membership right now? Hmm. Yeah, here's my credit card. Okay, we'll have somebody out there in 30 minutes. Um, so my young adult daughter has had car trouble in a sketchy part of town in Atlanta. And she pulls off. And, <laughs> and that's not the call you want to get as a parent. So my advice is always go to somewhere public. Go to a gas station. You know, do I don't care if you kill your tire, just get to a gas yep. station somewhere you can go inside yep. or, you know, have somebody else around. Yeah, if you're in town pulling over, especially, you know, downtown Atlanta, for instance, down some parts of Nashville. Downtown, yeah. Right. I, I was talking about all of a sudden you have a flat tire in the interstate. Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about city driving. That's a whole city, nother City driving issue. is, I think you've got to get to a public space. Um, I think uh, that's true, even if a cop, you know, you can't always tell. If you're, yeah, if it's a like real police officer, yeah. yeah, if it's or... an undercover, it's very rare where where we live in Middle Tennessee for undercover police officers to pull you over, right? And so, and it's perfectly appropriate if if someone is behind you with blue lights and they're pulling you over and they're undercover, call nine one one and say I am being trailed by somebody with blue lights, but it's undercover car. Can you confirm that they are pulling me over? And they'll they'll do a, they'll do a radio check and see where people are at. And if you, if finally they pull you over and you tell them what's going on, they're probably going to be pretty cool with it. Especially if it's a single 25 year old female in there. Right. Right. Um, drive to a fire station, mm-hmm. drive to a police station, uh, drive to a bank. All those places are going to have cameras and generally are going to be safety uh, there. So just some things to think about. Okay. Good to know. Oh, on the Uber thing. So a lot of times, um, you know, you, if you do Uber or Lyft, you're going to say, okay, Jim is picking me up and he's driving a, a red fill in the blank one double check that and now on Lyft and Uber, it confirms the license plate with the vehicle. Uh, we've had a, a Uber come up, and pick us up one time and they were in the wrong car. And I asked them, and this is the question, who are you here to pick up? Okay. Cause if they've got the app, they're going to know it's Renee or Bonnie or David. They're not going to say, um, uh, Jim. No, my name's not Jim. It's not, it's not them. Especially in downtown areas, Uber's so popular. You get, you know, two or three young people going out in the evening, going to dinner. 
and let's say it's two or three females. Somebody's going to pull up and say, uh, I'm here to pick, um, I'm here as your Uber. And they're just going to hop in. They're not going to confirm the license plate. What you do is ask, and you, you don't say, oh, are you, are you yeah. uh, the driver or whatever the name is? Because of course. All they have to do is say yes. Well, yeah, that's me. Uh-huh. Right. But if you ask them who you to pick up. They have to give you the right answer right. before you get in the car. That's exactly right. So that's a real okay. simple tip. <laughs> People, my children who are listening to yeah, this. That's right. Just, that's really key. To, uh, even for us, Bonnie, uh-huh. yep. you know, if I'm, if I'm without David, especially my, I, I'm always on white when I'm with you, David, I'll be honest. That makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if I'm by myself, it's like, oh wait, I have to actually think about these things. And so, um, yeah, just I, my impulse is to just ask them that, to say the name that's on my right. Uber app. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Are you Michael here to pick me up? That's what they sure say. Of course I am. So, <laughs> sure. right. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a abductor of people, but you, you didn't guess my real name. I'm actually, That's right. right. yeah. So double check the license plate and the make and model of the car and ask them who they're there to pick up. Okay, good. Yeah. That's a great Uber tip. Okay. There's another aspect of car safety that I just want to touch on because a lot of us have little children. Um, and that's the kid in the hot car security system. So put an important object in the back seat. put your purse back there. Um, your water bottle that you always carry in everywhere, whatever it is, put that in the back seat so that you have to turn around and get it. Um, and also if your child is missing, if you've just sort of lost track of them for a minute, and I think, I don't know if you've had that happen. Every, I've had that happen. I think every parent goes through that. Yeah. You just, you look away for a second and oh my goodness, where's my, where's my kid? Where'd he go? And they're little, they're fast little suckers. They, are. <laughs> they can get away from you really Rascals. fast. So the first two places you should look immediately don't look in the, their rooms. Don't look, you know, don't play hide and seek all day long. You look in the car and you look where there's water um, yeah. first because those are the places that kids may not be able to get out of by themselves. So um, they can somehow make it inside the car and then they can't get out for some reason. I don't know if it's the way the latch is or something, but yeah, always make sure you look in the car and in the water and well, leave I think the car's the thing, locked. The thing around the, how often do you teach your kids how to open the door on a car? Right. We don't, mm, yeah, right? Because we're opening it for them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where I think teaching kids how to, this is, if you ever have to get on the car, this is how you open the door from the inside. Same we, thing with unbuckling a, it's exactly a car right. seat. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse. Right, because you don't want them freeing <laughs> themselves back right. there. Right. But you need to know you, how to get out of yep. it if you have yes. to. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really good points for, for Throw back ones. to the time I had to call the police to come break my car window because I locked Emma in the back seat. Oh, yeah. I went to a, a yeah. I was a, like a used clothing sale, consignment sale for kids' clothes. But she was too little to know how to do all that. I think she was six months or less. And I just popped out of the car. As soon as I shut the door, I knew what I'd done. Yep. And it was before cell phones. So I had to go into the building where I was hysterical in tears, which means I had to like yeah. leave her leave in her the car. There. It's summer. I know. And I mean, they came really fast because it was a baby in a car, but she was still really hot. Mm. By the time we got her out, she was sweaty. Her head was all sweaty and her cheeks were red. And you called me and you were so upset. I was. Yeah. 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 It was really, really um, awful. But so as soon as they can learn how to, if she could have unbuckled herself, if she was just maybe a few months older and could have unbuckled herself, you know, like one year old. Then she could have gotten herself out and we didn't have to pay $200 to replace that window. Yeah. I did the same thing. I was home alone. Nobody else was in the neighborhood. Shut the door, getting ready to go somewhere. Savannah's in the backseat. Same thing. Little. And there was nobody around. No cell phone. So I'm running to the neighbor's 
yards because we live far out you know there's yeah. not a lot of neighbors and i yeah. found some guy on a phone and i'm like give me your give me your phone dude <laughs> i need to call somebody so yeah they had to come and his stranger danger went off i don't know who you are get away from me i don't know this woman by that time i'm desperate give me your phone <laughs> you yeah. know it, that reminds me one other thing that i would encourage everybody to have in their vehicle uh they're like 12 bucks on amazon it's called a life hammer yep and it's got a seatbelt cutter and it has something that will break windshields mm-hmm. uh, or or windows windows yeah. Uh, windshields are probably not going to break. They're impossible to break because the way they're made. The unless si- you drive your car. Unless you drive. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <clears throat> For those of you who don't know, I'm now about to replace my fourth windshield on my vehicle in 11 months. Had it crack again Sunday. So, oh, no. So, yes. yes. Not that I'm bitter about that. <laughs> but, yeah, the Life Hammer, they're super small. They're plastic, but they've got a tip at the end of it that will break open the side window where if you need to get some kid out of somebody else's car in the parking lot or if you come up on a wreck or... You even got it. You told me even if I drove into water. Yep. Yeah. And the car is filling with water, you mm-hmm. can, and you're, yep. you can't get your electrical wind, the, windows that are electric down. Yep. It's... Uh, yeah, because your electric windows aren't going to work if you're mm-hmm. in a, you know, somehow get into water. They're going to be fried, and so you've got to open them. And right. it, opening a door underwater is virtually impossible. Yeah. We've all seen the movies. That's right. right. That's right. That was not happen. happening to me. I had one of those little right. hammer things in my car. Right. Hammer time. This is what I live with. For those of you oh who think God. these two women are normal. <laughs> let me just if you speak listen to us from, at all, you know that's yeah. not true. speak from experience. Let me pass that. That is not the case. Ooh. Okay. So next one is my phobia. Choking. Yeah. Okay. I that was my most anxiety was when I was home by myself feeding my infants little teeny pieces of food. I was paranoid they were gonna be they were gonna choke and I'd have to do the Heimlich. I did have to do the finger sweep. Oh yeah. You know several times. So, but there is something really amazing now that's available. It's and this just shows that they're listening. They know you better than you know yourself because on my social media feed. This device has come up again and again and again. It's the Life Vac. Yep. Talk to us about that. So, in this particular, there, there's a bunch of companies who make them, uh, but this particular one, like they they follow how many kids' lives they've they've saved, and it's basically a vacuum that is done manually. There's no electric, and so you pu- place it over the child's mouth or the adult's mouth, and you pull this plunger basically, mm-hmm. and the suction is so tight that if something's lodged in the throat, a piece of chicken. You know, a, a marble, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. it sucks it out. And this uh, the uh, this particular company's like their website, like 286 kids have been saved or people have been saved yeah. by using this thing. I've seen and some incredible videos. Yeah, it's uh, it's scary because I've had to Heimlich maneuver somebody. I literally had and the chicken falls out and lands on the plate and all the stuff, and it's hard. You have wow. to you have to have some strength. Like, I watched you, ha- you do it, and you had to. It was three or four times, and it was just a small piece of chicken that got stuck going but on the, the wrong way. the amount you were squeezing? It was an older woman. I thought I was going to break her ribs. It yeah. was really difficult. Wow. So, but right. this life vac, it's just you place over their mouth and kind of just pull real hard on this, on the end of it, and it creates this suction that pulls, uh, yeah, pulls things into the Yeah, it's small enough to fit like in a gallon Ziploc bag. Yep. Carry it in your car, you know, so Yeah, we ordered a, a bunch, one to have going. here because we have Dottie here now, and uh-huh. then I ordered some for Emma, and then... Um, they make them for different, you know, the, the contraption that goes over the mouth is different sizes based upon how old or how big the child is. That's so, great. But it's, it's, uh, it's approved for any child. I think the, the details approved for any child over 12 months old. So, okay. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, I know when we were doing our prenatal classes, we had infant CPR as part of that. 
Um, and if you, ha if you are a young mom and you haven't had infant CPR, it just gives you some peace of mind because CPR on an infant or a small child is different than what you would do on an adult. And you're not as panicked. You're not as, um, well, you probably will still be panicked, but you're, you're, you're thinking I've got to call 911 and I've got to wait for the EMT and I've got to do all these things and per be performing CPR. You got to have some of that stuff as muscle memory. Um, it's very helpful to just know, oh, this is a Heimlich. This is what I do. This is, C this is CPR. This is how I do it. Um, where can you go to learn CPR if you don't know it? I mean, the first, the first place everybody thinks of is American Red Cross. Um, okay. they'll, they'll do it. Some fire departments will do it. There's a company here in Murfreesboro, I can't drop their name, that teaches CPR for, for infants, ch children, adults, the AED training. So if you're in a school or a mall or your church has AED. What uh, is AED? The, um, it's the... Like a defibrillator? Yeah, it's sort of? something defibrillator device. I can't remember what it's called technically, but it's basically the thing where... The paddles. The paddles, yeah. what the, you used to see on the TV shows that the paramedics would put on people. Most institutions will have one. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll be in the airports. There'll be one on an airplane. We have some at North Boulevard at our church. Uh, many public places will have AEDs, and, and um, knowing how to do them, it's not just, oh, you just take the box and it works. You need to know how to, to make it work. But there are a lot of companies, and Red Cross is probably the first place I'd start. Okay, and I think that is a great skill to give your teenager. Um, a lot of times they're at parties that they probably shouldn't be at and things like that, and things are happening. Um, people get unconscious and different things, and that's a great skill to teach your teenager. Plus, it's kind of cool to have on a resume. They're looking for a job, Absolutely. too. So, uh, bonus for that. Um, all right, let's go into self-defense. I already told you that. Yeah, I you, talked to you into you going. You me into one. <laughs> there we were. Self-defense class. Because Got my clock cleaned by that police officer. <laughs> my daughter was about to go <laughs> off to college. And I just know the statistics from college campuses. And I'm like, okay, you're coming to the self-defense class with me. Yeah. And it was, I don't know, a few weeks or whatever. And you go at night. And it was really amazing. It gives you some amazing confidence skills. There was a tiny little, probably 90-pound woman. And she took out this guy like it was nothing. Yeah. So it really helps you think... Uh, beyond, oh, I'm a girl. Right. I can't defend myself again. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And it, it gives you um, just a lot of self confidence and awareness, like you said. Yep. So it does you no good to send your child off with pepper spray on a keychain if it's just going to be in the bottom of their purse. So, so the pepper spray call it a day system is not good, Bonnie? <laughs> no, <laughs> it is not. Is that actually a thing? <laughs> No, I just thought it sounded catchy. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, is that actually a movement on college campuses? Because that's the dumbest movement I've ever in a long time. No, it is not. Um, and our son took uh, karate for years and years and years. Um, and they typically are not, uh, it's not an aggressive right. kind of sport. It's a self-defense right. situation. It's nothing like Cobra Kai, which you're seeing on TV. Um, so, Okay. How do you self-defend yourself? What's uh, a situational awareness goes yeah. back to that, but what yeah. else? Uh, I, Where well, can you go? Renee and I were talking about this as we were preparing. You know, there are rules are in place for normal situations. In emergency situations, rules do not apply. It's the first thing I, I would think of. And this is, this is true for bad situations happening at school, which we might talk about in a minute. Uh, bad situations in the movie theater, someone trying to abduct me. We have this set of rules in our heads that we think, well, I shouldn't punch someone in the eye. I shouldn't kick them in the crotch. I shouldn't scratch them on the face because mm -hmm. those are against the rules. In emergency situations, rules go out the window. And uh, Houston and I, for, for quite a while, took a, a self-defense 
uh, style called Krav Maga, which is Israeli. It means uh, touch combat is what it means in, in um, uh, Hebrew. And the first thing they teach you is in, if you ever need to use this self-defense skill, there are no rules. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you use anything you can to defend yourself. And, um, you know, cheating is encouraged. That's what I tell people. So <laughs> yeah. I think it's one thing to think about. And we as a, as a society want to follow the rules. And so that is the reason I think if we don't ask ourselves these questions and think through these scenarios, we're going to be just bound to the rules that we've always known. Right. So the adage of, well, I, I think I will rise to the occasion if I need to, has been proven over and over and over that you will sink to the level of your training. Okay. You will not rise to the occasion. You will sink to the level of your training. So if you train for something, that's what, and you said it before, that's what's going to kick in the muscle memory, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but if you don't train for it, you're not going to all of a sudden, like in Matrix, get downloaded, <laughs> you know, <laughs> judo and taekwondo in yeah. two seconds. It just doesn't happen that way. Although yeah. that would be so cool. Yes, it would. <laughs> Yes, it would. Yeah. So I think awareness to train three, and I, I'm not telling you what to train in, just train in something mm-hmm. that's going to give you the confidence that you'll sink to the la- that level of training, which is hopefully adequate. Okay. And the goal is not to, uh, it's not to be a bully and it doesn't teach your child to be a bully. Nope. If you're putting your kid in karate, it does not. Um, contrary to Cobra Kai, <laughs> what right. I'm telling you. No, it, right. all those things will teach a great deal of respect. Yes. When they're done well, they'll be teaching you respect. And the goal is basically to like stop the situation, not finish the situation, but stop it enough to just get yourself out of the area. Or even avoid it. You told me, because uh, you do a lot of active shooter training, which I think right. we're going to talk about here in a second. And you know, the goal is to get home to your family. Mm-hmm. The goal is to not enter into a situation. And so avoidance yeah. is also uh, yeah you know a, a really That's great self defense right. technique mm-hmm. is to just get out of there the best outcome of a fight is not to get in one yeah right mm-hmm. and that's that's true with whether it's a fight or an altercation you see somebody else going on or a convenience store just you've got to trust as i call it you got to trust your spidey sense something yep. about this is off let's go yep there's a gift mm-hmm. I, I don't i don't want to be paranoid but i also want to be stupid uh-huh. right i think a lot of times um I don't know. I think sometimes we just ignore that sixth sense in ourselves. But if something's going off inside of me that says, cross to the other side of the street, you know, Mm -hmm. go go a different way. Don't walk by them. I I think that we listen to that. We need to listen to that. I think it's, I mean, I believe, you know, if you're a, if you're a Magnum PI fan, Tom, Tom Magnum would say it's his little voice in his head. I would say that it's not even your spidey sense. I think often those are gifts from the Holy Spirit. I think, I think, I think God speaks to you in those ways. And I think you should listen. And again, it's not trying to be, Oh, that homeless person is making me nervous. It's the, what's the probability of a homeless person having some significant mental illness things going on? Very, very high. Mm -hmm. Those are unpredictable. Well, it just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've, I've stopped and talked to homeless people. I've given them money. I've done things I probably shouldn't have done with by myself, but, and I've also encountered other people that I have had the opposite reaction right. to mm-hmm. you just kind of you got to read the situation know. you read yes. the context the situation yep. you know the yeah where you are and what you're comfortable with um yeah it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all right mm-hmm. so just pay attention to yourself okay so i guess that it needs to be talked about and i really hate that it needs to be talked about but i just want to um, before we get into this next little section i just want to advise listeners with little people in the vicinity you probably don't want to have this on speaker playing in the car right now so we're just going to pause for a second let you turn that right off or put your airpods in 
Okay. So we're going to go into active shooter situations, which I'm sorry are in the news. So you guys have homeschooled your mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. and they didn't have to experience these regular drills for this sort of thing. Like it's just as regular and common as a fire drill nowadays um, to do an active shooter drill or an intruder drill. Um, but it's not just schools, as we know, in particular in our country, that it's any realm of public life. You know, mm-hmm. it's a concert, mm-hmm. it's a movie theater, it's a church. So what do we need to know? And what can we actually teach our kids about how to mitigate this risk? I think it's important to know a little bit of data uh, around what kind of us on the on the side of shooting call active killer situations because, you know, they're, they're there to do harm on purpose. Um, that in the last 15 years uh, of, of these situations, 90% of the shooters had posted something on social media weeks prior. Uh, the other 10% had journaled in their private journal or diary. So 100% of these people who have done it in the last 15 years have been premeditating thinking through these things. So as friends or potential family members of people who are posting or journaling about such things, I think it's our responsibility to be aware of that. That this isn't just some, oh, I think I'll go do this today, and they never mm-hmm. thought through it. It's So it's back to that, if you see something, say something right. mantra. Okay. Um, uh, a little bit more, almost all of these types of situations happen, and, and they last less than 15 minutes. Um, FBI data from 16 to 17 for active killer incidents, 100% of them were male. 18% of them were stopped by civilians using firearms. 22% were stopped by law enforcement. And about 20% of them committed suicide, most often while interacting with law enforcement or when uh, an armed person, either law enforcement or civilian, got involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest of them have been taken into to custody. I think um, major changes were, hap- uh, were placed into effect after Columbine in 99. Um, and, you know, the most recent tragedy that happened in Texas, th- they followed none of the new protocols and we don't have to get down that road, but they, their response was just inappropriate and, and, uh, didn't hand, wasn't handled correctly. Most of these times, um, the philosophy is from the people responding, what they're taught is stop the killing, stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. So if you're wounded and they, the, the police are not going to stop to help you yet, right? They've got to stop the bad stuff happening before they help people who have been injured. Uh, and so they've been trained to, when they enter a place, the first thing they're doing is going after uh, the bad guy mm-hmm. to stop those. So knowing as as a as a potential person inside there, knowing how to respond, you know, you're laying down on the ground, hands spread out, hands up in the air, those types of things. So you are not a potential threat to the people responding and to, to get out of the way. Uh, there's two major schools of thoughts on how to re- respond to an active killer. One is, of course, the run, hide, fight, which is what is nationally taught a lot of businesses teach this to employees, those types of things. And that is obviously, if you can run, get out, get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can't, for some reason, run and get away, you should hide. And if you're in a classroom or an office building, you should be barricading the door with whatever you can, uh, turning the lights off, uh, turning cell phones off to at least vibrate or, or do not disturb. Because the last thing you want to do is, you know, a mom hears about it and they call their kid and they've got it on a regular ring and, and all of a sudden you've kind of identified someone's inside there. Uh, and then in the event where you, the hiding doesn't work, then like we said before, fight like there's no rules, right? Uh, every classroom will have a fire extinguisher. 
a great first line of defense. If someone comes to the doors, you spray them with a fire extinguisher. They can't see. The powder is going to disrupt them, those types of things. And you can do that from a distance. Then it's just, you know, throwing stuff, hitting stuff, whatever you can do Mm -hmm. uh, in response to that. The other one is called off. Uh, and de- depends on kind of your level of training is observe what's going on. So if you're in a restaurant, a movie, movie theater, not a classroom, what's going on. And then if you need to flee and if you have the ability fight or some people, if you're trained to, you fight and then you flee. So those are the kind of the two common responses to active killer situations is run, hide, fight, or off observe, flee, fight, or observe, fight and flee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is just, I mean, it's the world we live in abroad and here there's things like that happening all the time you see it on the news so uh i think it's worth it to be prepared to talk to your kids about it um my kids have said that i'm they've told their friends how crazy i am because uh when they were in high school there was a a recycling bin outside the school and where the pickup line was and i said okay look if this ever goes down um I don't want you to sit in the classroom. I want you to run outside the school and you're going to jump inside this recycling bin, this big metal thing. And that's where I'm going to come get you. (laughs) So that was like our plan because I had read this book. uh, Air Marshal friend had given me called terror at Breslan about a Russian school situation. And I, and yeah, that was what they didn't do. So I said, okay, what we're going to do is go outside and get in this place. And then, um, so they always thought I was crazy that they were going to meet me at the recycling bin, but I'm like, Hey, fine. Call me crazy. Call Call me me crazy. crazy. That's right. Uh, I think the other thing too, thinking restaurants or office buildings, we, again, going back to, we are rule followers, but you know, in, in a situation where somebody goes into a restaurant and starts doing bad stuff. Best place to escape is go through the kitchen to the back door. Right. Everybody's, everybody's going to barrel to the front door where you came in and you saw the hostess to get seated, right? No, go through the back door. No yeah. one's going to go through the back door. And probably that's not where the bad guy's thinking that you're going to go. So the sign that says employees only does absolutely. not apply. Yeah. <laughs> the rules do not apply in these situations. They're, they're great ideas, but they don't apply in emergencies. Yeah. So run is the, is the, is the primary that's the ideal yes. is to run and just get out of that situation. Right. Um, and then, but I'm wondering, I've never been in a situation like that. I'm just thinking like, what's my instant reaction probably would be to hide. Like, I think I might that, freeze. That's, a, that's almost everybody's first common thing is I'm mm-hmm. scared. I'm going to hunker down. And um, the other thing is you never stop moving. Mm-hmm. Never stop moving. That was, yeah, you read a book and, and we talked about that is, is to never stop moving. Again, I'm not sure that would that that would be my instinct right and we all see movies and so we think you know bad guys are gonna you know as people are running across the the street they're gonna be able to shoot them i do a lot of shooting i can tell you that is virtually impossible if it if you get hit while running it's a they're lucky Uh uh-huh right they're they're lucky they're not good um and so never stop moving okay that's a good yeah that's a good plan if you're at a concert or on a train station or whatever that's right yeah yeah uh Okay, I hate that subject. Yeah, I know. Um, and I hate that we have to talk about that. But. Yeah. Well, fear not is mentioned in some form or another 365 times or more mm-hmm. in Scripture. So he does not, God does not want us to go through life afraid. And yet, I think a lot of times we tend to be. Um, and that's why he mentions it over and over. I mean, doesn't that sound like a parent? How many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> yes. Stop being afraid. That's right. 
Um, but we are not made to be biologically on high alert at all times. And we've talked about that in this podcast before. Um, children of trauma, children with ACEs. Um, when you are on a constant uh, fight or flee response, it makes you sick. Yes. Your body just can't handle being on that edge all the time. It's PTSD. So God's telling you that for a reason. <laughs> He's trying to like take you off the edge. Mm-hmm. Like rest in me, trust in me. Yeah. And you know, our children are looking to us uh, for cues about whether they should be afraid or not. Yeah. So we're setting the tone. Yes, they are. They're uh, looking, if they fall down, watch them. They're going to look at you first. Do I, does this require me to cry or am I good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, one night my daughter had, she hit her head. We don't know how still on a, on a bed. And she had this like bad head wound. And uh, my response to it was very different than my husband's. Mine was fr- freaking out, but he's more medical than me. So he picks her up. He says, I was going to go to the bathroom. He says, nope, there's a mirror in there. We're going to stay in here and we're going to clean it right here. Cause he didn't want her to see it. He didn't really want me to see it anymore. And the reaction, like she went to him like, Oh, mm. well, this must not be that bad. Right. Thank goodness. Right. But they totally right. take cues from you. So we're not trying to communicate uncertainty, insecurity, anxiety to our children. We want to do the opposite by being prepared and just being aware. That's right. So on the one hand, kids are concrete, but Bonnie. Yeah. On the other hand, they have vivid imaginations. So if you're going to communicate all of these things that we've talked about, be concrete, show them what it looks like. Use concrete words, not just a generalized, well, be careful. We talked about that even on swing set. Be safe. Make good choices. <laughs> make good choices. Just saying be careful on a swing set over and over again. That just instills anxiety. Right. It communicates fear. It, it doesn't. It, it, instead, we're, we're supposed to be asking them, what's your next move? What you got planned there? Right. But on that monkey bars. Coming down feet first. <laughs> stuff like that. Right. So so do that in, in this big picture stuff as well. And mm-hmm. be age appropriate. So you don't freak them out. Right. By... um. By giving them more than they can handle and for their just, age. That's just a know your child kind of thing. You know, there's some 10 year olds who can handle more than a 15 year old. Just depends on their temperament and personality. Mm-hmm. But you don't need to give them all the down and dirty and the details of all the worst case scenarios. You're just like, hey. Yeah, for sure. Don't have the news. Some things. Playing on your phone. Right. Podcasts or something like that. So, um, yeah, this was good. Thanks, honey. For You're being welcome. Here. I think it was. I learned some stuff for sure. I'm going to go home and pack my bag. There I feel you like go. I know more things than I thought. I'm proud of you. I was feeling pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm feeling pretty good. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember you telling remember. me that. I know this. I know good. the answer to this question. <laughs> good. That's good. Well, we're going to have all of these resources and some of the tips that David gave us today on our website, justaskyourmom.com. We'll also have some things throughout the week on Facebook, Just Ask Your Mom, or Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. And we'd love for you to rate and leave a review if you're listening, and better yet, subscribe so you'll get each new episode on Monday mornings. Send us your questions and topic suggestions to just ask your mom podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just, just Ask, ask your, your Mom. mom.